Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Dear listeners, this episode is a golden, bright, orange, fragrant gift because I'm talking to none other than the disarmingly funny comedian Sindhu V, who is the wisest clown in the universe. That should be an oxymoron, but she's so wise. And she did me the absolute kindness of smuggling me the most beautiful mangoes in the world. Alfonso mangoes all the way from India. And they have changed me for the better. They've made me a better person. First, I need to ask you to please come and see Hoovering live. We're at the Underbelly Festival in Cavendish Square on the 17th of July at 5pm. It's in a big-ass, socially distanced, safe TP venue. It's going to be amazing. It's at 5 o'clock, so you can come after work, but before you go out. And the first guest I've already announced of of at least two that will be is Joe Brand. I know, actual fucking Joe Brand. We're going to have the times of our lives, but only if it's nice and socially distanced level full with all of you lot. I want the people that listen to this podcast to come and watch it so you so that the audience know what's going on and we have a really splendid time. So come, come, come. If you're thinking, I'd like to, but I wish I had a discount ticket to that, why don't you become my patron? <laughs> Go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. That's a place where people who support the podcast with as little as a few quid a month um, get podcast related perks like guest recipes. And anyone giving a fiver a month, um, even if you just sign up and do that now, get a discount to live shows. And some of my patrons even get free tickets to live shows. So it's so worth it. 
Okay, I also need to tell you that Sindhu, today's guest, has a tour tickets on sale from the end of July. Her show Alphabet is absolutely brilliant. I am also wrapping up Hench, the show I was in the middle of when the pandemic hit us. There are like literally one or two seats and some standing tickets left for my Soho theatre run throughout June. There are only five dates. It's warm up for me filming it. Um, I would love to have you at that. Snap them up. Snap them up. They're going fast. And then I'm on tour around the country from the end of July through to the first 10 days of August and in really exciting news, which I've been, had a lot of messages from people who were very annoyed that the Manchester dates weren't possible to reschedule. Well, it turns out they are. They've been rescheduled into that August of that run. Um, thanks, namely, to brilliant Sam and also Joe, uh, my tour managers, and an amazing woman who works in booking at the venue called Roz. Thank you to them. They have managed to get me those two Manchester dates in August. Uh, and if tickets aren't already on sale on my website today, they will be soon, very soon. Just keep an eye out, jessicafosterq.com, and then click on my doings. Um, if you already had a ticket as with any of those tour dates, you should have been contacted by now about the changed dates and in the Manchester case, offered a matinee or an evening um, because what we're doing with all of these is making them distanced to make it most likely that they would hopefully defo go ahead. Um, and that means I'm going to be doing the show twice to fit everybody in. Yes, please. Links to everything I've mentioned there, as ever, are in the podcast notes, wherever you got this podcast from. And in the podcast notes, anything in capitals means it's a link that you can just click on. Thank you for listening to Hoovering, by the way. Please may tell other people about it. One way of doing that is just to subscribe to it. And another way is to shout, have you heard of the podcast Hoovering? Which is either way, a very valid ways of spreading the word. That shouting there has made one of my cats furious. Okay. There's a tiny warning this week I need to give that Sindhu and I, or Sindhu, gives one example of some disordered eating. Uh, so if you're avoiding all conversation about that, there is one example given. Now, uh, let's get into it. I, I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't a, a fun, I mean, this is probably the most la like belly laughing I've done in an episode for a long time. Sindhu is so funny. Um... We hoovered over the Zooms for convenience in this case. And God, this conversation and this laughter and these fucking mangoes took me so far away from myself. I loved it. It was, as you'll hear, a borderline religious experience for me. I don't listen to them in case I'm going to be on them. So I've never listened to yours. Okay, well, that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect, actually. There's a real benefit to that because some of my questions are very silly and it's worse when people have kind of thought about it, if you know what I mean. Like an instinctive, honest reaction is much better. I have absolutely no idea. And also, like the podcast I get asked to, which I haven't heard because I didn't know they were there. But yeah. this one I've known about for years. Now I'm like, when is she going to fucking ask me? Ah. I'm not listening. Do you know what? This is really, you know, this is really bad. But I think genuinely, I have been saving you for a live show. You know, when you know someone's, I mean this, you know someone's going to be so good and you're so good I love live you. and on a panel that I've been saving you for that. And then I was like, it got to the other day and I've been, I was like looking at your Instagram anywhere laughing at this lovely, telling a story while just eating a mango. And I was like, oh, what are you fucking doing? Get involved now if she's free. So it is an honour to have you on. Okay, well, Genuinely. you know, the other reason I was asking you, when is it... Um airing is yeah. I got into 
a lot of people on Instagram a couple of weeks ago lost it. They were like, she's eating mangoes when India is burning with COVID. And I'm like, oh no, what? And, you know, and they're like, oh, use your, this kind of vapid celebrity not using. And I was like, celebrity? That, that was the bit. I was like, really? And my husband's like, I don't think that's the bit that you should focus on. <laughs> and I was like, there are literally people calling me celebrity. Yeah, thank like, you for what? my compliment. I know, honestly, you. honestly. And so then, I, and then it was like, oh, use your platform for this and that. So oh, I thought about it yeah. and I thought, you know, my instinct is to get on Instagram, eat mangoes and talk about COVID in India at the same time. Glorious. Then again, I thought, listen, I have a rule and I had this rule even, you know, was that I would never engage on social media. Yeah. Never, 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 never. It doesn't matter what they say. They could call my kids things. I won't engage. That's my policy. Yeah. Never apologize. Never yeah. engage. Never apologize. But then what happened is I realized that like whatever I may or may not be doing in India for COVID, yeah. which I am doing, whatever, who Indian do I know is not trying to help in some way. Sure. I thought, you know, this is how people get pressured to sing things online because they think if I don't tell them that I've done this, then they'll think this or whatever. Also, it's so fucking performative. It's nobody's business what you are or aren't doing as acts of altruism. I think that's fascinating that people are like, show us your altruism, show us your, show us your feet. And it's like, get fucked. Not everything has to be available for the whole world all the time. We've set very weird standards yeah. with this. And it's like, be an ally, be an ally. And I'm like, okay, here's the thing. You know, if you came to me for, if, if the first time you heard of me, you were like, oh, I really want to hang out with Sindhu because she has such strong political views that she tells everybody and she'll help me with COVID. I appreciate that I'm letting you down. Yeah. You came to me for jokes. <laughs> then I don't have, I don't owe you shit. <laughs> what, what? Do you know it's what I mean? It's such a good point. It's such a good point. Yeah. And, and, I, and also I, my, my, my parents always raised me to, th- to, to, to believe that you don't talk about when you help people. It's the yeah. last thing you ever say. Well, it, I, I genuinely, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to write, I, wa- I want my next show to be about what it is to be a good person. And I fundamentally believe that. And I think something's changed in the last few years. I really thought if you did an act of kindness, you absolutely undo it if you brag about having done it. But, and, and also, but now people are like, oh, if you don't show us, then it didn't happen. It's like, what? Are we in a, philo- are we in a philosophy seminar? Yeah. <laughs> fell and I wasn't there. Also, it fall? really did. It still really happened. If you give some money to something that no one knows about, it really happened. They got the money. But, but that's what I mean. And I don't have to t- tell you. So anyway, so what I, then I thought, now I feel bad about mangoes because previously I had, not, not I feel bad about mangoes. I eat mangoes all the time. But previously, I was sort of, India was out there and that was happening and it's horrible and we were doing whatever we're doing. And I was eating mangoes because it's full of joy. Yeah. And now I'm like, should I be showing joy on Instagram? So I took a back seat. I said, let me think about it. Let me think about how I feel. And then as the news from India got worse and worse, I just didn't even feel like recording anything. Yeah. Because I was like, oh. You know, so I was sadly eating my mangoes in my dining room by myself. Oh, I oh say no. dining room like I've got seven rooms in the house where people do different things. But my father is here, thankfully, from India. And so whenever I say that, we have lunch, he says, in the dining room. And I'm always like, yeah, which is the room with all the kids' books and their school stuff on the table. I'm like, yeah. In the di- we can call that the dining room, Dad, if you like. Well, I mean, it is technically a dining table, but sure. no one's ever called it the dining room. Anyway, so today I said I'm going to take these mangoes up, and he said, 
you'll be eating in your office? I'm like, oh, is that what this is called? Oh, yes, I'll be eating in my office. He's given names to all the rooms and people are like, oh. where is that? <laughs> where is that? He's made a Cluedo map of your home. Yeah, there's a closet in which I keep like extra sugar and shit. Yeah, and yeah, like a well, that's what he said to me the day. He said, um, I can't find any tea leaves. Shall I look in your pantry? Pantry! <laughs> Please go look in the pantry. The kids yes. are like, where is that? I'm like, it's that closet. They've maybe never even heard the word pantry. Yeah. <sighs> pantry. Pantry. Dining room. Dining room. I know what a cutie pie he is. Okay, now. Okay, so I need to tell you my setup because I think you maybe will enjoy it. <laughs> and it will give you an indication of how much decorum I'm planning to have. You, I need to explain, I need to explain to the listener that if you don't know Cindy's love of mangoes and not any old mangoes, <laughs> Alfonso mangoes, so, we'll no, get into it. Indian mangoes. Indian mangoes. There's 20 okay. kinds. Okay. So... Kesar, Desi. No, Desi just means Indian. So there's Kesar, oh. Chosa, Langra, um, Tota, Alfonso, of course, which is yeah. Alfonso is named for uh, because we were so good at being colonized that it's named for the Portuguese king because he liked a particular variety. So we created this right. for him and called it Alfonso because he was King Alfonso. Great. And now when... My mother was here many years ago and we had Portuguese friends and they came over and we were talking about it and they said, King Alfonso. She said, oh, he was named after our mango. <laughs> we were like, no, 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 dude, no. <laughs> so Indian. Like, he was named after our mango. mango. She has no oh. idea. So anyway, so that's just some of the kinds of mangoes. Um, anywho. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. And you have gone out of your way, which is... Um, I mean, almost definitely the kindest thing anybody has done on this podcast. And I've been cooked for and I've been sent all sorts of strange things. But you have got your mango dealer. Let's call him a mango dealer. Who did the drive of shame to your Who house. did a drive of shame in the middle of the night to Catford. I drove home from a gig. I, as I pulled up, I saw this chap. I, I, watched, I watched my fiancé baffled at the door talking to a man with a tray who was holding these up. It's full of 12 beautiful mangoes and giving them a squeeze and proving to her that they were good. And she was just sort of stood there in her gym jams and a bobble hat going, yeah, cool, mate. Thank you for these mangoes. I had texted her that she should potentially expect middle of the night mangoes. She'd not read the text. So it was a big surprise oh. for her. Um, he'd also parked like right in the middle of the road, like an yes. actual drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, you know what he does in his, he's an accountant. Okay, of course he is. <laughs> of course. He's an accountant. <laughs> He's got a sideline in Alfonso Mangoes. Middle of the night drops to Captain Middle of the night. And the, and the listeners should know that on the Monday before this podcast, which is happening mm. on a Friday, I called him and I said, I need mangoes delivered to this address. Can you do it? If not, I will do it. He said, no, no, no. You, sister, you can't do it. I, when I am there, why would you? And I was like, all right, enough with the drama. Can you get it there? <laughs> He said, it's done. When do you need it? I said, Thursday, because the podcast is going to be on a Thursday. Yeah. Wednesday morning, I will give you a guarantee. <gasps> and, and you, you can have my house. You can have my car. I'm like, I don't want any of those things. Just get the mangoes there. Okay. And what kind? And I'm going to pick the best kind. And okay, oh. all that. Wednesday, I texted you. You're like, no mangoes. Yeah. I'm like, the fuck? Oh, sorry. Can I swear on this? Podcast? Yeah, please swear. Yeah, yeah. It's so encouraged. I wrote to him and I said, Mr. Dealer Man, uh, whatever, I call him brother, you know, so and so bhai. I said, where's the mangoes? And he said, what? 
this cannot be. I will immediately come back to you. And then he came back to me and said, oh yeah, they're coming Thursday morning. And I said, I said, they have to be there before Thursday. He said, oh, did you say before Thursday? Because I heard like by Thursday. So I was like, now you screwed it up. So I'm asked you to change it to Friday, right? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I, on Thursday, opened, he sent me a tracking thing. He sent me a text and said, I have mash up your mango delivery mess up. Mash up your mango delivery. I was like, Oh, no, I am not fucking playing. I am not playing. So I looked up and apparently he put in the wrong address. Okay. So I called him and I said, you know what? I have a career. And in that career, I am asked to do things. And among those things is a podcast. And some of them for money. Some of them are No one's ever come to this lens for a podcast. In the history of podcasts. (laughs) It's just... Whole foundations were built and destroyed, but never for a podcast. I said to him, what are you doing? He said, this is the worst day of my life. I said, it is. I said, it is. He said, I, I said, it is the worst day of your life because it, the amount of shame. He said, I'm swimming in shame. Oh, I said, it is. He said, I'm swimming in shame. I said, good. Okay. Good. Good. But you can't drown in that shame. You need to get at the mangoes. He said, I will drive them there. So he drove an hour each way. Oh, God. Oh, this man. But listen, if you're a dealer, can you please deal? It's worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's a great point well made. Oh, God, I'm already already in pain from laughing. (laughs) I'm worried that there aren't going to be long enough gaps between the laughter to do enough the amount of eating I want to do. Now I need to talk about the smell of these fruit i've never smelled anything like it it's like um and also i love this kind of squidgy net that each one comes in that makes me feel so they like they don't get I, injured yeah. yeah so hold that mango up because you have to smell yeah. them the one that smells the most like honey this one's so ready oh it's so ready and it really smells like honey close up but like on honey. mass like what am i like a foot away i feel like i'm in i feel like i'm somewhere else i don't feel, feel like i'm in catford but it's floral like yeah. it's far more floral than anything, any mango um, I've ever I'll seen. tell you where you are when you smell that from a foot away. Tell me. You're in my childhood. Oh. That's where you are. You That's- sent me the most beautiful description of your, the origin story, really, of your love <laughs> affair with mangoes. And it was to do with not growing up in India. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, well, I mean, not coming back to India till I was 10. And then sort of being thrust into like just small town Indian life from having come from like Manila and the American school and not speaking Hindi and the really hot summers. And, you know, as a child, you only, as a child, you absorb your surroundings, not intellectually. Mm-hmm. Intellectually, everything was shit. I failed every class, every subject in school I failed except English. And I was I like, well, it. Well, because I did, didn't go to Indian school, you know, I, I did half the teachers didn't speak English. I was like, what the fuck is going on in this class? Anyway, I had no idea what was going on. My mother was like, well, you should pay attention. I'm like, she speaks a language I don't know. Yeah. My mother's like, oh, then start learning now. Stop speaking English. We'll speak Hindi now. I was like, okay. Anyway, so I learned the language. But the bottom line is that mangoes were this thing. My mother's from the north, very different mangoes. My father's from the south, very different mangoes. But they are both mango experts right so the the seed like how you treat a mango how you eat it because it is the king of fruits so you were brought up by two 
mango professors. Yeah, there by two mango professors. It, it's not unusual though to be a mango person in India when it's in uh-huh. season because people, people are they romanticize mm. their you know fruit of the season. Seasonal living is so normal. Was mm-hmm. so normal when I was growing up. So it was like, oh look, it's the season for this. Yeah, yeah, and lovely, then, lovely. And it's everything we're going to cook. We're going to make sour food. We're going to make sweet food. We're going to make milkshakes. We're going to make vegetables. We're going to eat. So there was mango in dal. There was mango. Whoa. It wasn't this mango. It was another mango. And it was mango season. It was how to treat them, how to smell them, how they look, what they are. But quite apart from all that, mangoes are fucking great tasting. Yeah. And I was like, excuse me. Yes, please. Yeah. Because I had come from the Philippines, which had maybe tropical mangoes. I don't remember. It had a very different fruit. It had what we call custard apple. It had pineapple. It had mm-hmm. papaya. All these tropical fruits. Yeah. And we were in the dry heat of Lucknow, that sort of north of India. So, and I'm a very fussy eater. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, well, because mommy always just made food that was so sort of grown up and chilly, and I didn't like it at the time. But in mango season, you could just eat mangoes. You just, they just gave yeah. you a glass of cold milk. It's the only time you're allowed to drink cold milk. Cold milk. Mm. mangoes you can have it for breakfast for dinner no one ever got diarrhea no one has mentioned diarrhea and mangoes to me until i came to the west okay and then it turns out in the west if you eat things that are very indian you all just get diarrhea it's just, just <laughs> that's just the result like a lot of chili i got diarrhea a lot of mango i got diarrhea it's like hey bhagwan it's not something that happens to us do you see what i mean yeah 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 we get diarrhea from eating amoeba and jardia on the street in dirty yes. food yeah yeah then we sure. get it. We get food poisoning. We go to the hospital. But isn't it just to do with a bunch of new microbes? If you taste something Must from a place be. where you don't live, it's the same as the drinking water, ice cubes, etc., etc., etc. It's all just to do with yeah. There's I mean, bacteria in food in different countries that your body needs a bit of time to adjust to. Sometimes absolutely. depends how diverse your diet is generally. Like, but but also it's so mad that well, it's not mad. It's fascinating to grow up somewhere where you eat seasonally because everything around you is lush and is growing. And when it's gone, it's gone. And when it's there, it's there. And yeah. that's how it is. And then, then you have this whole other life now and presumably from whenever you moved away. 1991. Yeah. Where to the States or? Here. I came here yeah, to study. Here. Then you, then you increasingly now we're at the point where we can go, well, I want to try this fruit from this country. And I'm going to get it and I'm going yeah. to try it. And we, But also we have this system where seasonality is redundant unless you're going out of your way to eat seasonal, seasonally. You know, there's things that people just expect to have all year round. You know, we want broccoli, we want salads, yeah. there's things you just expect to have all year round. And we also have a thing where we'll have got one, there'll have been one type of banana, one type of mango, one type of tomato even that was popularized apples and then just like made on mass. And 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 if people even think that they, you know, try another type of see another type of it, it'd be like, well that's not the sort I'm familiar with, so I don't want it. Like, <laughs> what Yeah, no, I but you know, also it's expensive to eat seasonally yeah. now. Yes, it's not like mad, that's bonkers. Well, I mean, the, I think there's two things going on. One is the industrialization of food in the West, which yeah. which was pre my time in India. So in India, it came later. Yeah. But even now, it's much less compared to anything in the West. But when I was growing up, it was zero. Um, my mother came from a landowning feudal family, so she understood the land. And she was yeah. like, I never ate butter growing up. She made, quote unquote, our butter, tasted of yeah. milk. 
Yeah. And but she was like she had this phobia of things being produced in a factory. Really, so processed food. She was, fear she of she processed said, food. Kya Who knows what's in it? So I <laughs> didn't. Point. I didn't eat anything, and I think that's why, despite my my the way I've lived, my health is quite intact. Yeah. Because at a deep, at a deep sort of mit- mitochondrial level, I really don't have processed stuff in me. I have, yeah. by the way, done a lot to reverse that. Like, you know, <laughs> starting with thirty years of smoking, but, um, but I think I think there's that. And the third thing is you don't have the weather. Yeah, you can still eat pretty seasonally, relatively easily in America. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. You know, re- you have proper sunshine and proper rain. Yeah, I mean, I say relatively easily. I'm saying for people who have some surplus income. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here, course. you need a lot of surplus income, and you need some other country because there's no weather here for this no. <laughs> you know i mean so i think yeah. i think it's a mix of things i do think though that i i have never i moved in 91 so it's been so many years now you know i have never been able to walk into a western supermarket and buy a pineapple in december i feel like violated i'm like this, yeah what is this shit why can i do that i'm not and sure also it's not do it that. does no i'm not tasting this i've been to denmark yeah. at christmas and they're selling a mango and i'm like ha <laughs> I was like, why are you laughing like a lunatic? I'm like, because that is a joke to me. <laughs> because somebody's grown that in a laboratory underneath a massive UV light somewhere in a factory. I know. Yeah. That's, that, that's like having, that. that's like acrylic nails. Yeah, it's mutant stuff. I mean, it's I like, stuff. I love acrylic nails, but I don't walk around okay. in there my nails. <laughs> I love acrylic nails. But not nails. for dinner. I just don't yeah, want them for I dinner. Don't, I, don't, I don't want to eat them. That's what I'm saying. I don't um, want to. I've also got myself a hand bath. Yes, you need water. that. You need that. I, I just need this. But you And I also want cut. a lesson. You, in one of your brilliant mango porn Insta videos, you, which really made me laugh because it's exactly how I had been cutting my mango open. Oh, you did that Expo- hotel I've been doing, hotel I've been doing I, white lady. I've been doing yeah, white, white. Lady ma- white lady mango where you cut down... The side of the no. stone so, and then so, do the no, first scoring. Of all, turn, first of all, turn the turn mango around. Somewhere. Turn the mango around. Yeah, no, no. Right, sideways. I'm going in. No, 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 no. You, you know the bit where it's been plucked from? That should be facing the yeah. heaven, heaven. The bum. The bum hole. That's not the bum hole. That's okay. the crown. Okay, the crown. That's facing crown. heaven. So put it vertically so the crown is facing heaven, so the mango is vertical. Thank you. And then cut both sides as close to the stone as you can. But put it down. Slice your hand. Oh, great! No, no, no. We're doing it wrong. Just stand it on the on something, and then just go on the plate. Cut, 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 cut. On both sides. On both sides. Take it right off. Yeah, it has to come off. You have to cut it off. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay, Oh God! It smells so good. Now it's open. No, okay, so see, this is the seed oh, bit. It tastes for flowers. Yeah. It tastes so good. So this is the seed bit. You should cut. So this is the seed you need to cut on both sides. So you get oh, these Oh, I see. Halves. Get right down inside. I hear so you, you see, now. So you see this? So you get these halves. Yeah. Quarters. Right. And, then you, and then you quarter the halves into this. Okay. And then... Oh, my God. Oh, the smell, the color of okay. it. The rich yeah. orange color of this. Honestly, the things you're doing to that mango are spectacular. Oh, don't. Sorry, I can't help it. I'm going to learn. By the 12th one, I'll have... <laughs> no, some of the baby cultural abomination, yeah. You're not... Uh, please. He, will, the, he loves to be allowed to do part of the cussing so up. So what Rudy he should do is just... But as a child, you just peel them and just eat oh, them. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so do you have the seed or what do you have? I've got the stone there, but I've got this flesh on the stone that I want to okay. eat. That, 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 of course, we have to do at the end. But you and take okay. this and you cut that into half so you have a quarter. Yep. Because as my mother said, don't want to eat mango like a man. Must eat it like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me to accidentally go to start eating my mango like a like man. Like a man. Classic okay. foster cue. Okay. And then, no, no, don't, no, don't do that. Hold it vertically. Oh. Put the fleshy bit in your teeth and then... Oh, I see what's happening. Okay. Oh, God. Mm. Mm. Son of a bitch, mm. that's good. Oh, mm. my days. Oh, my days. And the oh, taste changes, fuck. doesn't it? Yes. Jesus. It smells. I feel like I'm in a flower shop factory. This is... I'm in a flower place full of flowers. Heaven. It's heaven, mm-hmm. isn't it? Maybe we're in heaven. It's. I'm surrounded by the strongest, most floral, aromatic. It's so intense, and then it's it's sweetness, but it's not too much. There's almost like a smooth, creamy, almost. Mm-hmm. I want to say soapy, but in a complimentary way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it like changes taste as it goes. Mm, mm. But there's not. It's not an overbearing sweetness. No. There's also a. Oh, not and it melts away. It's not quite sour. It's not quite tangy, but there's it's it knows it should be a little bit like it's like it's like flirting yes. with a tiny amount of sour tanginess. That is fucking extraordinary. And this is Alfonso. This <laughs> is Alfonso. So this is you send this this, so much. But listen, you mm. you've described it so well. This is Alfonso. So it's very much on the honey floral side. Oh. When you have badami or when you have langra, that uh-huh. the sour taste is first. It leads with sour, but not sour. It leads yeah. with, you know, when you have lemon drizzle cake, you can taste the tartness, but it's cake. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. always. So it, it leads with tartness and then comes the sweet. I see. And tell me, would they be the ones you'd be more inclined to have end up within a dal or in a savory dish or would you no more, no no the would it be like savory, no you're adding sweetness to a savory thing when you no the savory oh. ones are the unripe green mangoes aha uh-huh, okay okay and they're you've just, got there the texture but of completely different taste yeah they're like sour mangoes and they taste like they're like so sour that when you eat them you go you know they're so oh. sour yeah mm, okay well that needs to go on the blooming bucket list mm. i love sour things this is so good. <laughs> something else Say scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In one of your videos, you swore in front of your dad. That really made me laugh. I know, and, I, and um, he didn't really pick it up. <laughs> okay, great. Well... I won't go on about it. Um, <laughs> there's so much joy. I think this. I'm trying to get my head around the fact that obviously I have a podcast about eating on which I eat and I eat with a friend and I learn oh and God. I taste these things and it's a gift, a joy to get to do these things. But also I think there's, I, it also, it, so two things. I need to be more articulate here. <laughs> it's joyful to watch people eat. Oh, yeah. It's joyful to watch someone enjoying their food, but it also feels like quite a courageous and feminist act. Like, because it's also, it feels like quite a bold thing to be like handsy, handsily enjoying food and sating hunger with food. Yeah, I do. In a way that's, yeah. I mean, this feels, your mango <laughs> stories feel to me like, a demure, glamorous version of mukbang. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's like a massive phenomenon on YouTube, which is where you get often really tiny women. It started in Korea. It's now huge everywhere. These people are millionaires because of the amount of followers that they have. And you'll have a tiny woman and she will surround herself by the most enormous feast, sometimes of junk food, but it can be extraordinary food. And they will eat an amount you wouldn't believe they could eat. I'm sure it's not a healthy way to live. But they're rich. But they have followers watching them going, just watching. The, oh, and I'm kind of watching it going, with all my baggage, do you know what I mean? I was watching it going, oh God, these people must be, this is, it's the epitome of binge eating. This is disordered eating. They're glamorizing disordered eating. And then this other half of me is going, leave your fucking baggage at the door. Maybe this is a massive feminist act. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, I, is it called a mukbang? Mm -hmm. I mukbang eat mangoes, all right? I just mm -hmm. want to take that now. I don't post it, but my father okay. said to me the other day, I say, I don't think you should have another mango, please. <laughs> just like that's... Because I think what I'm doing when I'm eating mangoes is I'm trying to keep myself in that place of... It's just unadulterated joy for me to taste mangoes yeah. that are from India or from the subcontinent because it reminds yeah. me of just great stuff. Yeah. And, and also, I, I don't get them all year. So I'm like, I have this thing that you just, you know, just put them in and eat. Mm -hmm. and plus, I'm greedy. I mean, I've always been greedy. I fucking eat something I like it. I'll eat the whole fucking cake. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is I was raised to not eat openly or, or sorry, to not make my hunger, to never draw attention to my hunger because it's not ladylike. Right. And it's not to do with them. Um... Oh, it's an embarrass. I've I've spoken to lots of people who weren't allowed to mention their hunger because it made, it brought shame upon their family in the sense that it made it sound as if you weren't given enough to eat. No, no, it's, no. This was completely that. It women, was just to do with it that, wasn't ladylike. Well, dignified women never talk about anything bodily. Oh God. You know, I mean, so if someone asks you, "Are you breathing?" you should say, "I don't know." You cannot talk about <laughs> anything bodily. That's what I said to my mother. I got such a tight slap. <laughs> I said, okay, so we can't talk about anything. So if someone asked me if I'm breathing, I should say, I don't know. And she was like, I don't know, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one tight slap. And said, don't make a jokings. Um, <laughs> so 
I think because I remember I was being raised to be married and it was very important to my mother that mm. I marry well because my sister had left for America and, you know, she was off doing her own thing and my mother had one last chance to get it right. Yeah. And in that context, my mother never talked about her hunger. She had a massive mm. eating disorder. Um, you know, she took Dulcolax to take huge shits so she felt thin, which I'm, oh, no. I'm sorry to say it while you're eating, but I didn't know that was what was going on. <laughs> she right. have her tea and said, hey, get me my Dulcolax. And I'd be like, okay. But she also then admitted later, oh, I have food problem. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, she, talked to, she started Overeaters Anonymous in India. <gasps> yeah. And she talked about, she talked about food. You, you know, she taught me about how you stuff your feelings with food and emotional eating. I mean, all, I, I said to her, all my eating is emotional because I love yeah, it. Yeah, all, all of a lot of people's eating So she said, no, no, not like that emotional. Emotional eating mm-hmm. is when husband calls you horrible bitch, gives you two slaps, then you go and have a cake. That is emotional <laughs> eating. It's like, oh, fuck. That's okay, yeah, okay, that is different. But there's a difference between, there's a difference, yeah, is that, and that's it. And it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful anecdotal wave of perfectly summarizing the difference between going, Oh, do you know what? I'm I'm mildly sad. I know that one Kit Kat Chunky is going to put an end to that sadness yeah, she, and reset me. And a difference between like, oh no, being, I'm the victim of domestic abuse, and I need to do whatever I can do to numb my feelings. That's, and that's mom, a, and a so, very different thing. Very different thing. Exactly. Yeah. But when Mom said things like that, it immediately used to put my my shit in perspective. Yeah. Because I I have I have many many times eaten an entire tub of ice cream over a boy not over physically over a boy I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. not leaning I, over him just no. sort of dribbling it on him no no, no just not that sort of podcast. he's dumb not to that. me yeah well yeah, yeah I got anyway, it anyway, heartbreak right, right so but so to come back to this thing about eating openly on a podcast I mean I told my dad I'm, I'm cutting these mangoes I'm going to eat them on a podcast and my dad is not someone who understands the technology of online gigging or podcasting because on my Zoom gig the other week I said to him dad I'm going to do a gig on Zoom and he said oh so you have sent your email to all your friends and they will watch you <laughs> and I was like the idea that he thinks only my friends watch me first of all second of all no, I, I was they're like, the last people I want there these days they've heard it before yeah. and I was like dad my email I said no 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 dad I'm, they're going to see me he said oh you've given everyone your YouTube number and I was like oh my god <laughs> This man really doesn't have Zoom fatigue because he doesn't fucking know what Zoom is. Oh, your YouTube number. So, yeah. So I, when I said to him, I'm going to go on a podcast, he said, but podcasts are audio. I said, yes. He said, will they listen to you eating the mango? I said, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to a podcast going chap, chap, chap. No. <laughs> I'm going to talk to my friend and we're going to be seeing. It was all too confusing for him. But the idea mm. that you would eat on a public forum like that. Yeah. I suppose if my mother was still alive... <laughs> She would say, I also want to watch what shit this is. But she would have loved it because she, she would have loved you. I've told you that before. She would have absolutely loved you. Um, but the bottom line is that I was not raised to talk about hunger or eat openly or say that I'm hungry. Yeah. I had some terrible experiences growing up saying, oh, I think I'm hungry and getting a sound beating. Because that's, right. not, what a, that's not what a dignified girl. I was seven. Yeah. So I do think that for two women to be on a podcast and talk about eating and love and what it means to them and disordered eating and actually eat. I, you know, I do think it's something feminist. I think it's very liberating. And I think, I think there's room to be, if you want to be dignified or if you want to be elegant and be able to eat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you know? hundred percent. Yeah. We're not all just laughing at a salad. 
We're going to eat it then, and yeah. sometimes with our hands. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. we're not going to laugh at it. We're going to cry because we really yeah. hate salad. That's me. Yeah, hate yeah. Salad. And what we really needed was some bread, actually, just a lot of bread, bread. a lot yeah. of bread, a lot of bread. So yeah. yeah, no, I do think so, and I think I think for any young women listening to this, or old women for that matter, any women, you know, eating is a great act of self care. Yeah. And an absolutely necessary one. It is. It's a, and it's your relationship with food. I, I, I would say my relationship with food is, it precedes my relationship with sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I always, because sex always required someone else. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you can have, you know, you can not have someone else, but, you know, in an ideal world. Whereas yeah. food... Food, you know, we have such we have such a relationship with food. We think, mm. what does it say about me, what I'm eating, yeah. or how I'm eating, or when I'm eating, or where I'm eating? And my yeah. thing is, just eat. Yeah. And worry about the rest of it later. Exactly. I mean, and I think the other thing is, I, I, the other thing as well is about that sort of not discussing hunger, uh, putting hunger out of your mind, etc. Is that actually? So I've have it all my I've laid all my cards on the table in this podcast time and time again with my disordered history with eating and relatively joyful relationship with eating these days but a large part of that is how hard it was to untangle all of those messages in childhood that were about detaching yourself from your hunger yeah. and your fullness mm -hmm. including all the diets you know oh, every yeah. single My diet took me every diet. yeah every single every single effort to lose weight took me further and further away from listening to my body or being no. able to listen to my body. And still now I thought, oh, the other day I was like, I still don't think I'm anywhere near being able to tell the difference between hunger and being fucking hungry. Like there are times where I'm like, oh, I, th I think maybe I'm a little bit hungry. And then you eat a tiny amount and you're like, oh no, actually I need a proper thing. Like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, like my face is going into this. <laughs> I, I needed this a lot more than I'd realized. Like the adrenaline or something had been masking it. It's hard to communicate with your body and your brain in that way to know what you want, when you, what, oh. what you need and actually like oh I don't know I do not know I still don't have the answer either how to bring up a kid to have less baggage on that front I think I'm too much of a yes man when it comes to parenting and I'm just like if he says he's hungry he's hungry give him more and I wonder whether that's easier to do because it's yeah <laughs> uh, I do th my, my mother had an eating disorder my sister had proper anorexia and bulimia and was hospitalized so I think I probably oh. have some kind of eating disorder I just <laughs> I'm dealing with it in a very sort of functional way. Uh -huh. I'm 5'10". Mm. <laughs> so my, you know, my shit can, when it comes to gaining weight, I don't have that metabolism. I'm 5'10". I started mm -hmm. gaining weight now for no good reason, but I'm also older. If I'm completely honest, I have a terrible relationship with food on on the benchmark of any, whatever is considered normal. Mm -hmm. I, I have a terrible relationship with food. I'm obsessed with what I eat. I'm upset. First of all, I love eating, but I'm obsessed mm -hmm. with my weight. I am, mm -hmm. and I and I have no embarrassment in saying this because I don't see why anyone would expect otherwise. You know, well, no, it's the female condition it's for the, the vast majority condition. of it. But also, I kind of have gone past 
stopping with the announcement to myself or to someone else that I have this issue and walking past that to say, then what? Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, that's huge, I think, in itself. Yeah. It's been like, oh, actually, I mean, I might never unload this. I might never not have this, but there's no need to burden others with it day in, day out. We've got others. We can move on to whatever was next. Like, we all know it's there. We all know we're all probably still doing it day in, day out, but we don't need to bother each other with it. And that is a massive leap, I would say, in terms of womankind because and our I think, communications. Because I think the thing is, it's, I think it's, you know, I think what I see, I have some friends and they're really struggling in mm. a way that's become exterior obvious. Yeah. And you think, well, you're sitting in the dark room. I'll come hold your hand. I'll sit with you in the room. Because I was in that room. And then mm. I got out of the room. And you'll get out. And then I'll go back in. Yep. It's just, am I there to hold your hand while you sit in that dark room? Mm. Because I think when it comes to food and one's perception of how one looks, which is uh, connected. I've got two yeah. daughters. Do I think I haven't given them an eating disorder? No, I probably <laughs> have. And I said to my teenage daughter, I said, do you feel like you have disordered eating because if you do it's my fault she was like what I said well because you're never eating is that like are you doing that on purpose and she was like this is the worst way to approach it if I did have a eating disorder I was like I'm just saying that I want you to know that if this thing is happening I take full response <laughs> and I have it in my head all the time she's like I know you have it you're always talking about how you think you have two asses I'm like, I do, but I don't. I, and she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, I just feel like I don't know the answer. I come from a yeah. family of women that, you know, my that I, I didn't go on these crash diets, but they did. I was yeah. younger. I, I, I watched it. I understand that it's emotional. I understand that in life you sometimes are in places where the best thing you can do is eat. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it gets out of your control, you know. You're throwing up in the yeah. bathroom. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. At that point, I, what I think is, at that point, the thing to try and step away from is shame. Mm -hmm. Step away and say to someone, hey, I've been throwing up in the bathroom and it will work out. It will work yeah. itself out. Someone will help. You will get help. But the shame thing, yeah. that's, that's a killer. And I don't think yeah. I've ever felt shame around my weird eating because I'm tall and I've never looked in a way that people were like, what's up with her? Because that's the other yeah, thing yeah. that the world does, right? Yeah. They look at women and say, what's up with that? Well, and I think that's why you don't necessarily, when you fix your relationship with eating, not that it's ever fully fixed, but when you get to, when you make your peace yeah, when you're with cool your relationship with, it, yeah. with eating, whatever, you get on the right path, you start the journey, you get well down the road of the journey. However, I really thought, oh, if I get my eating sorted, then that will, everything will be fixed in terms of how I perceive myself and my body image and my body confidence. No, 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 no. <laughs> because it's a whole different, you don't, you've got no idea. And you, and and also, I, I don't know if you have this, I am much worse in certain environments. I have some, essentially around my nuclear family and around the friends I went to school with where everything was at its worst. I go, I go, I regress yeah. massively and I'm so oversensitive to every conversation and every bit of nuance and every, not even barbed comment, every neutral comment is a stab in the heart. Where, and then you get back to your normal life and your bubble and you're like, yeah, okay. Well, I was pathetic. And I was <laughs> All that work I thought I'd done. No, but I think, but here's the thing is I don't, like, I don't think it's a, uh... I don't think there's an end of the road. No. I think what it is, is 
So at least the way I look at it is, have I increased the amount that I can spend time with myself knowing mm. that this is who I am? Yeah. Right? And it not being bad. Like, can I spend time? Like, there are the spaces, the spaces of time in which I can be with myself or with my friends and not worry about how I look have gotten longer yeah. and longer and longer. That yes. is the goal for me. That's success. That is success. That's it. And me too. And, and I hear you and I match you. We can, yeah. there, are, there, there are now majority of interactions I have with my women, including my family, my friends, my colleagues, the women in, of work that I love. It's very, it's, it takes a long time now compared to even five years ago oh, for yeah. our weight and our, what we're eating to come up. And I only talk about it so much because I, and I entirely am to blame for having started a whole fucking podcast about it. Which is, by the way, amazing. Um, you, I watched um, Starstruck last oh, week and you are amazing in it. You were so fucking good. You're such a good actor, Sindhu. And in Feel Good as well, you knocked it out of the park. Um, I want to know whether you've ever had to eat anything interesting as part of any acting work. Oh God, I have to tell you something so bad. Okay. That... I, oh my God. Okay, so I I did a Sky Short like a couple of years ago, right? And it was something yeah. I wrote and Rough Cut made it and this and that. And in one scene, and I'd been told by the doctor, don't eat gluten. Please don't eat gluten because it's oh, bad okay. for you because you become lethargic and so on. And I had gone to the doctor and said, why am I lethargic? And we done a bunch of tests and said, you have a huge intolerance to gluten. And I said, are you a joker? I grew up eating chapatis. And they said, well, we can't help that. But you have a... Sounds like this guy's a joker. But every time I ate bread, I would just be like, I can uh, Like this, like a robot that goes to sleep. Anyway, so there we are. We're filming this thing. I've never been on a... Sh I don't know what filming is. So I'm there. I'm so yeah. excited. Blah, blah. It's my show. I've written it. One of the scenes with the other two characters is the husband guy is buttering bread. Yeah. And the wife lady... And they have to keep take after take. Yeah. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm pretty hungry. And they just keep moving the bread. And I was like, it's, well, so I started. Maybe <laughs> you're not going to throw that away. <laughs> no. So I started eating this heavily buttered bread. Just, <laughs> and then finally the producer came to me and said, stop eating the props. Like we don't have more bread. We keep bringing it around. <laughs> I was like, oops. <laughs> so I ate that. Right. I ate that. I ate that. I so that's an experience I had where I ate some of the props from my own. <laughs> um, but also, it had a terrible effect on my acting because I literally couldn't keep my eyes open. Yeah, yeah. Then you had to go to sleep and then <laughs> the napping through. The exactly. I didn't. You know, in the future, if you're going to write a bread scene, you need to write a nap scene <laughs> or a gluten-free bread scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, I need to be that wanker. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I can say that because as people say because I can say that because I'm gluten-free. I'm like, I always say to people, if you want to just be like so-and-so's a wanker, just say it. You don't have to be them. Yeah. Own it. <laughs> yeah, call other people a wanker. Yeah, you don't own, it. Yeah. own it. Like, just, not, just, just um, own it. It's, so, not, it's not cultural appropriation of wankers. Yeah, Wankerism's exactly. not culture. No, You're it's allowed. Not. It's not, exactly. Everybody's allowed. So anyway, so I ate the props on that. That is the one time that I ate. That's brilliant. Um, that's it. No, 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 no. No, I think that's great. I think eating a prop is... 
and then falling asleep because you fucking yeah. don't, can't handle <laughs> on your own show. I think that was a little bit like, oh, it's my the God. most incredible double self sabotage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. They scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Have you ever had a patch? Where you ate the same thing. Oh, I thought you said patch day. and I was like, nicotine, HRT, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, you've had those patches. <laughs> have, you <ever> had, <laughs> have you ever had a bunch of time, other than the obvious, which is mangoes, where you ate the same thing every time? Yeah. Every day. Yeah, yeah. Had a, and how long was the patch and what was it? Yeah. So just in interest of full transparency, I spoke about this on Off Menu. Uh-huh, okay. So I hope that... That inferior... In that what, sister podcast. Yeah, what is that podcast? Sister, younger, younger sibling, useless podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and, and I will say, I did have a patch, and the patch, yeah, the patch was, um, I ate only pizza for forty-two mm. for forty plus days Whoa. because it was it was a bet. I thought I could get a boy to like me. <gasps> He did like me, but he ended up being a real dweeb. I mean, he was doing geography and war, Bir- Birkenstocks. Oh I should have known. Oh, God. <laughs> but I ate only pizza from the, dollar st- <gasps> from the dollar store. And uh, it was the kind of mm. pizza you would squeeze it and the grease would fall out. Mm. And I ate only that for 40 days. It was great. I Every now and again, something calls for that pizza. Every now and again, yes. there's a hangover or something that means you need something like that. Mm. But 40 yeah. days. That 40 does days. feel like a... A pilgrimage, a personal pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah. And I for think love. Was, well, no, it was for lust. No. Oh, it's and, for by, lust. And, <laughs> and by the way, he was useless in bed. So I really just <laughs> fucking ate pizza for pizza. That's what happened, you know? <laughs> useless. Birkenstocks. I should have known. Pizza I should have known. Birkenstocks. You should have known. When I was at university, I, that's when I actually, incidentally, in university halls, I suddenly went from a relatively chaotic childhood into this catered halls and from a village to central London and the only I had suddenly this regular the comfort was the regularity of the going to this dining hall wait so how did you eat growing up so I had two parents working my mum was a nurse for most of the time and then went on to do other sort of care roles in residential schools and stuff. But for most of my childhood was a nurse and worked shifts. So she wasn't in in a regular pattern. The same way that I'm not for my son now. My dad worked in London. He was only around at weekends. And it wasn't that no one ever cooked, but I was very self-sufficient from very young and I didn't have a regular... There was no... We never... Occasionally on a Sunday afternoon, we'd sit down all together and eat. But generally, you know, it was one for all and all for one. And... um. And I was given an enormously long rope of freedom yeah, in terms clearly. of responsibility. I was allowed out for long times. I had very late curfews and I never broke any rules because I had so few to break. Oh. But, um, you know, it meant that when I got into this hall, in these halls where it was like, well, breakfast is between yeah. half seven and half eight and dinner is between six and six thirty. And also the, I'm not fussy. I'll eat anything. And if I'm hungry, especially so. But dinners, and I worked in that kitchen for some spare cash and um, it was bad, 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 bad. And I am not fussy, I'm not a snob. And so essentially, because it was so rough, the safest thing to have that you could always make delicious was a jacket potato. Every yes, night, I ate, all the that's all I ate it. when I came to England. Oh, As a vegetarian, potato. I was like, yeah. well, I ate a jacket potato with cheese and beans. That's all I ate. Lovely. From the van. And, yeah. My van. 
outside the <laughs> from a van from outside my the room I lived in in the in the house I used to go and buy it in a van it was a big potato and the guys were not English and they were like yeah. I was like what is this place I'm in England this guy is not English and he's selling where me. in England was that it wasn't Oxford oh lovely of course Oh, I'm going to look up potato van, track a potato van, Oxford. Yeah, it was just outside Magpie Lane. Of course, it was called Magpie Lane, wasn't it? Oxford is such oh, a weird I place. I love it. We had, we, my student thing like that, I, went to, I was at LSE and we had a cafe in the, in the, oh God, I can't remember the name of the road. This is so bad. My memory, this lockdown's done awful things to my memory. And there was a little cafe and there was a student union movement it never went through but because the Italian lady that works there we'd always get a fry up from there if you had a terrible hangover you would go you'd get a fry up you could get it to take away it was kind of walk in walk out but she was formidable the lady that ran it was Italian and there would always be a huge queue any time of the day or night there'd be a huge queue and she would manage the queue like a military leader and she would say darling for you darling for you darling for you darling for you <laughs> and there was a motion in the student union to rename the cafe darling, darling for you. you and it didn't pass but it so would have been a glorious so you did your first thing. degree at the LSE only degree at LSE, only degree yeah. at the, and what did you study Law. Oh, you were going to be a lawyer, Jessica. I know. Yeah. Q. QC. Can you imagine? Yeah, right. Amazing. Amazing. I got rejected from Bristol University and I have a strong, deeply unscientific feeling, like a strong, feels like such a clear knowledge that had I got in there, I would be a lawyer now. But you I wouldn't went know to any the, of the people. You went to the better school, so it doesn't matter. Do you think? I don't know. LSE versus Bristol. Law. Oh, please. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Well, your no first, Oxford, my love. But your first degree is not about what you're studying. Your first degree is about who am I? Oh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. You go to do your bachelor's degree, it's about who am I? People say, oh, what did you study? I'm like, who the fuck cares? I went out and I started like being like, oh, this is like, I'm not home. This yeah, is who yeah. I am. I'm this is home. how I behave. I'm in a catered halls. I'm having a jacket potato every night. I had my, I'm, I'm craving some kind of stability and familiarity. Yes. And order. Yes. And I mean, yeah. it was just insane, you know? Anyway. Yeah. So, yes. Um, I don't know how we got that. Oh, yeah, I wanted to know about when you, I, about how you ate growing Well, up. I talked about having a fry up for hangovers. So let's see, what would you, ha- what's your go-to thing to eat if you've had, a, if you have a hangover? Oh, uh, everything. I just started eating. Just everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just walk around the house. Ah. Yeah, we haven't got time. We haven't got time. <laughs> Living in the moment. The philosophy of living in the moment starts pulling all its opposition types of living ins into prison on trumped up charges, disappearing them and stuff until all memories go on hunger strike because that's living in the past. Then memories stop functioning. That's the outcome of this. No one can have any memories. At first, it's funny, but not for long because quickly all our systems start falling apart, as do all of our relationships. What's a relationship, etc. It's a panic apocalypse. Luckily, memories have agreed to come back and restore all balance and harmony, but only if you, and weirdly, it does have to be you, Sindhu, balance a marble on the tips of each of your index fingers without dropping it at all, not even once, for a day. It sounds impossible, but you do it! You're a hero! She's balancing her marbles in a fidget spinner now! You 
you've saved all people from a memoryless existence forever and ever and ever and ever. But obviously, because your fingers were busy holding the marbles up, you weren't able to eat for a whole day. So your reward is that your place in history. You're the woman who saved us all. You, you couldn't be happier. You're high as a kite. You never need to do anything again. You have accomplished the maximum amount of achievement possible for a human being. Your reward is that adulation, but in the moment, and you are hungry, you couldn't be happier, you couldn't be hungrier, it's the feast of your dreams. It's a fantasy feast, I don't care about consequences, health, anything, bring the gluten, etc. Um, ethics, get fucked. <laughs> I just want to know, in a fantasy scenario, and it's the opposite of a last meal, because you're not sad, you're not about to die, this is a new beginning, a new dawn, this is the happiest, you're happy and hungry, not sad and feared and woe told. What would your fantasy feast be? What would you eat? What would you drink? And if there's a who with and where, who with and where? I would eat with my mom. Yes, please. Because she would have cooked it and she's a very good cook. I would eat um, I would eat her aloo paratha. So the paratha with mm. potato inside which the, with the different layers. And she fed with a lot of love. So I would let her feed. She used to feed me even when I, I used to do my nails and I'd hold them up and then she would still feed me and I'd be watching like Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> Um, like, you know, so I would, I would eat with her. Can I have more than one person? Yeah. And I would eat with my husband. He loves good food and he never asks for food. He never asks for good food or particular meat. He's eaten cereal for dinner, but he's, he's really enjoys good food and he enjoyed my mother's company a lot. So seeing the two of them would make me very happy. And then they could talk to each other and I could eat as well. Yeah. So I would have her alu paratha. Then when I was, when we first came back to India and we lived before we moved to my permanent school, we lived in Masuri, which is in the foothills of the Himalayas for six months. And it was the first time I'd been in India. And I, there was Mrs. Prakash who rented the flat to my parents, her, her husband. And my parents were very busy. And I, I used to look out and there was just the Himalayas. Like I had never seen anything like that. And she used to cook a particular dal. It's called arhar mm. dal. And she made it with garlic and red chili and ghee. And I used to smell it and she used to feed me every day at lunch. She would say, come and have lunch. And she would make fresh chapatis, rotis. And I think that's when I first started eating to handle my feelings because no one really helped me understand that we'd moved countries or I was in a foreign country. India was a foreign country to me at that point. And I didn't speak the language. So I would eat like so many rotis. It was clearly bad for the health of a child but she never stopped and she put ghee on them yeah. I would have her dal I would have my mother's aloo paratha I would have just a large vat of the chocolate mousse from Fred oh okay I didn't see that coming yes. and I really I'm really happy about that okay great. you know what I mean right that chocolate yeah, yeah, mousse yeah. the number of fucking gigs I've had that have been bad or I'm late or the train is late and all you do is you go into Pret. You buy that chocolate mousse and yeah. everything is better for the duration of while you're eating it, which could be 10 minutes. Yeah. Or, or you get on the train and you got your seat early and you sit yeah, there and you and eat you the chocolate the mousse. I know. Oh. I, really? Can you, do, do, you, do you remember that? Heaven. Yeah. That chocolate mousse was like, I'd know that was in my bag and I would be at King's Cross and I'd be like, bring it. Bring whatever you need. I've got the chocolate <laughs> mousse in my bag. So big vat yeah. of Pret chocolate mousse. Alu paratha, arar ki dal from um, uh, Mrs. Prakash. And there's a place um, in north, north of Copenhagen, in North Sealand, in Denmark, where I, when I, when I went to Denmark initially for many years, I was fully vegetarian. Now I eat fish, but at the time I didn't. So Danes were like, hmm, okay, 
And the thing with Danes is they like to do things well. So Danish restaurants would go out of their way to make me feel like I was going to, I was experiencing something extraordinary by eating there. So there's a place called Sulerod Kro, which is like Kro is in. And it's in a place called Sulerod, I think. Anyway, it's North Sealand. And they do an asparagus with like a crispy Parmesan butter thing. Mm. It's like a tiny bit of that. And the asparagus is fresh. Oh, and I've never eaten, and it's white asparagus, sorry. And really, oh, wow, yum, yum. Which I've never eaten. And I was like, what is this albino shit? But it tasted incredible. I was like, what's wrong? I said, my husband, these asparagus have their albinos. He's like, that's not a thing. Um, so that, that white asparagus with that Parmesan butter, my mother's Amazing. paratha, Mrs. Prakash's dal, and the vat of chocolate mousse from Heaven. Pret, because Amazing. I've covered all the main food groups, haven't I? Yeah, and you're in such lovely company. What a magical answer. Thank so you. So yummy. Thank you for doing this, my love. Thank you. I still have one more mango seed, which I'm going to eat now. Okay, yeah. Are you going to eat your mango seed? I'm going to eat my mango seed. Oh, eat around it. Mm. Oh, God. It's so good, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's outlandish. I feel like it's feeding my soul. Mm-hmm. You're never You're taking me neutral. away from my corporeal mm-hmm. confines. It's incredible. With this introduction to this mango. I'm so grateful. Mm. I also think mm. it's very befitting to your general yeah. gangsterness that he d- delivered in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's fucking cool. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, I could talk to or indeed just listen to Cindy forever and ever and ever. I love her. Can you make sure you're following her, please? On Instagram, she is at Sindhu V, S-I-N-D-H-U-V-E-E. On Twitter, she is at Sindhu V Funny, V just the letter V. Uh, and get to her tour show, Alphabet. There are tickets on her website, sindhuv.com forward slash live. Same for me. Come and see my show Hench out in June. There's one or two tickets left at the Soho Theatre. And from July, uh, it is going all around the UK. There's Some of them are sold out. I know Glasgow and Edinburgh are sold out. There's definitely still tickets, however, in Newcastle, Sheffield, Manchester, Bath and Bristol. Hit the links on my website to see what is going on in all of those venues. Please, please, please come and see Hoovering live. It's the 17th of July in Soho, Cavendish Square, part of the Underbelly Festival with Joe Brand. And I'll be announcing new, heart-stompingly exciting other guests soon. Links to everything I've just wanged on about, including all the things of interest we mentioned in the podcast are as ever in the podcast notes follow the podcast at the hoovering pod follow me at jessica foster q anything longer than a tweet to send me email me through my website jessicafosterq.com that's also where you'll find links to tickets to things that i'm up to huge thanks to acast for hosting the podcast hoovering is produced by emma corsham and the music is by mike greenway until next week happy hoovering 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.